Welcome to the Crossroads Community Church Podcast. We exist to be a life-giving church in our community that helps people know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and go make a difference. Here you will find weekly sermons and teachings from our Sunday services. Let's dive into this week's message. Like there's a major key that creates movement that not only will change your life, but it changes everybody else's life to follow. And so I wanted you to join me in Mark chapter two with a very familiar story that I read across that it just hit me so differently this last time I read it because I realized for the first time, like, I was like, ooh, that's it. Like, like that's the key. And so join with me in verse one as we kind of dissect this as we go through because we're in this series of 21 days of prayer and you can go to the podcast, the the first thing we did the first week, literally January the 1st, we talked about the prophetess Anna and talking about how we ain't gonna leave, talked about her at the temple. Last week we talked about how motives matter. But today I wanna give you the very applicable, like I need you to to hone in and, and get ready to take some notes. In chapter two, verse one, it says this. And when he returned, he being Jesus, to Capernaum, after some days, it was reported that he was at home. Now, I will give you a little insight. This is one scripture that a lot of people never even think about, but we know that Jesus has went through the 40 days of temptation. He has went to Capernaum. It's a, on the Sea of Galilee. And most scholars would tell you that more than likely, this is where Jesus has resided as an adult to, like, this is his home. This is where he's going to live. He, he's not launched this amazing ministry yet, but he's been in the middle of it. So he's returned after going out into a desolate place to pray, and he's come back, and he's at home, and listen to verse 2. And many people were gathered together so that there was no room, not even at the door. And here's what it made me realize. Before I even got to the meat of this biblical account, I was like, why is everybody there? Like, what in the world has taken place that all of a sudden, Jesus, if you read the previous scriptures, goes to a desolate place to pray because so many people are trying to gather around him. Like what is taking place that all of a sudden, Jesus is the most contagious man in the world? Like everywhere he goes, there are multitude of people that are following him. And you're not gonna see all these scriptures, but you can write them down. But I did do a little bit of reflection if you go to Mark chapter one. Mark's gospel is different than the other gospels as far as Matthew and Luke in that Mark kind of gives you a little bit of an understanding. But I mean, chapter one is kind of like a quick intro and then chapter two, it's like its own. Like we are gonna talk about Jesus's life and it's the shortest gospel. And the reason why Mark's gospel is the shortest gospel is he doesn't have a lot of the details as far as the birth and all these other, like he just wants to talk about Jesus and how Jesus changed everything. And he immediately starts talking about this multitude of people that are gathering. And what has taken place is, is Jesus has went from John the Baptist being uh, killed to him going in the wilderness to this temptation. And then he's showing up on the scene and, and he's healing people. He's meeting people's needs. If you were to read the accounts in chapter one, you'll see where he went to the synagogue and he's teaching with this authority. And then this demon-possessed man speaks up. It says, have you come to destroy us? Because the demon knew who he was. And Jesus rebuked him and cast him out. And it says that he silenced him. He wouldn't even let the demon speak because the demon knew who he was. 
And so Jesus was like wanting people to understand who he was, but he didn't want to tell people. He just wanted to show them. That's kind of a key. In fact, as he was doing these miraculous things, he, he leaves that temple and he turns around and goes to, to Simon's house, who later is gonna become Peter, whose mother has a fever, his mother-in-law to be exact. And he touches her and he heals her of that fever. And we think of fever like, oh, just give her some Tylenol. You gotta realize back in that day, there were a lot of people that got a fever and they never recovered. Like it was a major deal and she'd been sick for a while and he goes there and, and he's called these disciples and, and Simon and John and some of these other ones go to Simon's mother-in-law house and, and he heals her of this fever. And, and by the time he gets done healing her that evening, and I wrote it down just so you can see the exact aspect of where it is. It's in verse 32 and 33 of chapter one. Here's what the scripture says. That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. So to give you a perspective, before we ever get to chapter two, word is getting out that like, man, if I got a need, this man can meet it. If I'm sick, he can heal me. If I'm oppressed with a demon, he has the ability to cast out these unclean spirits, to cast out these demons. Jesus has a way of meeting their needs. And he's doing this, and the, the irony is, is as he's doing this, he keeps telling everybody, don't tell anybody. But yet, everybody knows. In fact, as he's going through this at the end of chapter one, he literally has a particular man that's a leper. And he has this leper come to him and, and wants him to make him clean. And he knows that he has the ability to make him clean. And he heals the leper and he tells them to go back to the Pharisees, to go back to the authorities at the end of chapter one. And he says, but don't say anything, just show them. And what he's telling this leper is, listen, you ain't got to say nothing. Because when you show back up, they're going to look at you and know that you were the leopard man, and they're going to see very quickly that things have changed. Actions speak louder than words. And Jesus is trying to get people to understand that. Well, I love the last part of chapter one because it gives us what's going to go on in chapter two. But he, being the leopard, went out and began to talk freely about it. And to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in a desolate places, and people were coming to him from every quarter. You say, what happened? When God got a hold of these people's lives, and God said, don't tell nobody. You know what they did? They said, dude, you, gotta, you ain't gonna believe this. It's just like, don't say nothing. It's like, I can't. Have you ever had a situation that you... You know, you've been married or, or maybe it's a real good friend and it's like, listen, don't say a word to anybody. And, and then here's how the following, it's like, okay, listen, I'm gonna tell you something, but you can't say nothing. You ever had that happen? I can tell by your giggles, like, see, all you people, you're sitting by somebody going, oh, what did you tell them? Like right now, the circle of trust has been broken, right? But there are times that, that you experience different things in your life and you just, you can't help but to tell people about it. You can't help to let people know because you want them to experience the same thing. That is what's going on as Jesus is launching this ministry. 
He ends chapter one by healing a leper, and he goes to him, and he doesn't say nothing. He's just like, hey, look, (laughs) you remember me? All of a sudden, there is something that is so obvious that it can't be disputed, but it has to be recognized. Question number one. I wonder if we live our lives when we talk about our faith, if we talk about our faith so much, because if we didn't talk about it, nobody would see it. But you know what I'm saying? Like, like I wonder if sometimes the reason why, as, let's, let's not talk about crossroads, let's talk about the, the church. I wonder if the church, the reason why we're, we're so big on being, being vocal, and don't mishear me, Scripture's very clear to carry the good news. That's what I'm talking about. But I'm wondering if sometimes if we're so vocal, the reason why we're vocal is because we're making up for a lack of action. Because I believe that Scripture is very clear that if, if people see a change, guess what? You're going to be contagious. Like, they'll come ask you the questions. You don't have to say anything. They're going to see a difference, and they're going to show up at your door and be like, hey, I need a little help. But I believe that if, if we do what God's calling us to do, and our faith is more than words, but it's actually actions, it's James, right? Faith without works is dead. If there are major works in our faith where people can see it, then all of a sudden, we move from being in like this rut of life to becoming contagious and people are drawn to this aspect. That's exactly what's going on in chapter two. When he says, and when he returned to Capernaum, after some days, it was reported that he was at home and many were gathered together so that there was no room, not even at the door. Let's continue the story. And he was preaching the word to them. And they came bringing him a paralytic carried by four men. We've heard this story before, right? And when they could not get near to him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lie. Now, these people have heard the stories. At sundown, they were lining up at his house because they knew he was there. And they brought everybody that was sick and everybody that was oppressed. And they're like, heal him. And scripture says, and many were healed that day. And word is out. So all of a sudden, these four guys say, look, hey, man, we're taking our buddy. And we're going to go make him better. And they pick him up. And they do something for him that he could not do for himself. There was no way that he had any ability to get himself to Jesus. He was totally reliant on those four friends. Those four friends to care enough to stop their day despite what may have been going on, and seize the opportunity and get their buddy to Jesus, knowing that if they got him to Jesus, Jesus had a way of healing. And so they get there, and the crowds gather, and they can't get nobody there. The first thing I realize is, you know what? This isn't about the effort of these guys. It's really about this key that changes everything. And so they get there, and they don't have any room, so they dig a hole literally in the roof, and they lower him down. And listen to what Jesus does. It's the very next verse, verse five. And when Jesus saw their faith, there is referring back to the four men. He didn't look at the paralytic and say, hey, the paralytic had done nothing. The paralytic was literally along for the ride. Like he didn't have an option. I mean, I I, kind of, this is Mickey's translation, okay? I see the paralytic kind of being like, dude, I'm scared of heights. I ain't doing this. And they're like, dude, you don't have a choice. And Jesus sees their faith, and he wasn't talking to the paralytic. He was talking to the friends who was bringing 
the paralytic. And listen to what he says. And when he saw the faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, this is the part that really hit me. If I just hauled this guy all the way there and I just lowered him down and Jesus looked at him and said, son, your sins are forgiven. There's a part of me going, and? I wonder how many times we're so caught up in meeting needs that we dismiss most people's greatest needs. Like, can I chase a quick rabbit? When I think about all of these prayer requests, and they're all legit, and we are praying for them, But if God met every one of these needs, but every one of these people died and went to hell, did it matter? If somebody is healed from cancer just for them to live a few more days, a few more years, so then they can just storm the gates of hell because they lack a relationship with Jesus, what's the point? Like, I, th- I think one of the keys to unlocking the favor, the, what we talked about where God turns his face upon you, is to realize that there's nothing wrong with having desires because of what you want for people, because of what you see that they need, as long as we don't miss the greatest point in what we know they have to have. Scripture says, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his own soul? Like sometimes when we're praying things for people, what does it profit if, if they gain everything we're praying for, but yet they, they storm the gates of hell? And that's the reason why these people, like, like I can only imagine, I, I'm expecting it's, they got a little bit of a sweat going. You know, Capernaum's a little bit closer to the equator, all right? And so, I mean, I'm sure it's a little bit hot, it's a little bit warm, and they're sitting there and they've done all this work, and Jesus like, because of their faith, your sins are forgiven. And they're like, What? Like, we don't need his sins forgiven. I need his legs to work. Like, I did all this work because I ain't carrying his tail back home. Like, I had enough energy. I have worked this out. Like, like I'm cramping up. Like, like, I have faith in you, Jesus. I've got everything I've got to get him to you because I know if I get him to you, I ain't got to get him away from you because I don't have anything left. And I think that's where a lot of us live. We spend all of our energy getting people to the cross because of a change that we want to see in them rather than the change that needs to happen within them. And I think that priority is a bigger deal than we realize. But then I love because I'm sure... (laughs) these four guys that carried him were a little bit thankful for the Pharisees and the scribes because after he heals him of his sins, verse six, now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they, uh, that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, Why do you question these things in your heart? Which is easier, 
to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed, and walk. Now listen, if you have a paper Bible, underline this next verse. This is the key to unlocking God's favor in your life. Listen to me, verse 10. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sin. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose immediately, picked up his bed, and went out before them all so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never seen anything like this. But it hit me as I was studying this biblical account that God did not heal him because of the amazing faith of these four people. No, he forgave the paralytic of his sin because of their efforts. Because of their efforts, he's like, okay, I'll forgive you your sins so that way y'all can spend eternity together, which was enough. But he healed him not because of the faith of the four friends. He healed him because of the lack of faith in the world. God said, you know what? What's easier? For me to say his sins, are, his sins are forgiven or for me to say get up and walk? But so that you would believe that I have the ability to heal or forgive sin, I will say rise up and walk. See, listen to me. Whenever we start leveraging our prayers, not so that we would get the glory, but so that God would get the glory. Whenever we start leveraging and petitioning God, saying, listen, Jesus, I'm not asking this because you're my genie in a bottle. You know, I'm just like, oh, Lord Jesus, oh, thank you, look what happened. You know, oh, give me a new Cadillac. woo I got a Cadillac. Oh, I need a plane to travel. woo I got a plane. No, that's not what Jesus does. Jesus is up there saying, listen, I'm gonna tell you what I'll do. I will, I will listen and respond because I love you. But if you want my favor on you, it's very simple. Pray prayers that draw people to me. Ask for things that when I get involved, it draws people to me. Like I am willing to do the miraculous, not just because I love you, but because I'm still in the business of drawing the many people to me. It's the process of healing and doing things. I learned this most several years ago with a story that you, can, that you can go read. It's called, you can go to merolltide.org. And it's a story of me and my wife from a hospital bed when our daughter fell. And everything changed when we stopped worrying about Brian and we got excited about telling the story so that people could believe in the Jesus that was healing our daughter. And that's the problem. Most of us live in this key. Lord, I want this for this person but we never cross it to say, but I want you for everybody. God, would, 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 you, would you touch this situation? Not because of what I want for them, but because I wanna see you move. And I know that if you move, then like that leopard, she ain't gotta say nothing. When she shows up to school and answers a question during an audio test where they're like, hey, what's the answer of two plus two? And she raises her hand and says, it's four. And they say, you're not supposed to be able to hear. Yeah, I've been healed. Then guess what people go, there's a God that heals. Jesus is who he says that he is. And if God can touch and heal the deaf, then guess what God can do? God can also 
hear my prayer, forgive me of my sin, and lead me from death to life, from darkness into the light. See, the bigger picture, the key of being contagious is to realize that it's never about you. And unfortunately, that's where most of us live. Like, I don't know of too many times that, that I go through my day that the things that I'm doing doesn't directly reflect or have some sort of direct correspondence to me. Honey, I, I'll go to the grocery store for us. I, I want to help out because I'm an amazing husband. Reality. I'm craving something. I hope we can fix it for dinner tonight. <laughs> like, like I, I, in my greatest moments, I'm the most selfish person in the world. And you know what I know? You can be too. Through the things that you pray, the things that you ask for, the things that you want in your life. And the key to unlocking and becoming contagious is to take yourself out of the main seat. But the problem is, is that, that we wanna pray and we wanna ask God to move so that we can tell people about what we did and look at what God did. And God's saying, why don't you put that on me? Like, I'm going I'm to say something very boldly, but please hear the love behind it. Most of you don't lack faith to move the mountain. You just have too much of the credit that you want. Your issue is not faith. Your issue's humility. It actually reminds me of of Dr. King. And living in the South, there's so much different things that people say, and I don't think they really understood just how amazing of a man and what he did and the freedom that he brought to so many people and the sacrifice that he made and speaking the truth, not because of something that he wanted for himself, but for a dream that he had for all people. And living in the South, I don't mind telling you, I feel like sometimes we just blow it off. Like we don't even understand the impact but it reminds me actually of, of each of us in our lives. And it reminds me of the story of, of basically three birds. See, I, the first bird's an eagle, and we all know eagles, right? Like eagle, woohoo, they're majestic. They fly as high as anybody. They got these special, like they got, do you know that eagles don't eat anything that's dead? They're above that. Everything they eat is alive. And it doesn't matter what size it is. They can soar up to 10,000 feet. In fact, in hurricanes and major storms, most birds hunker down and take shelter, not the eagle. The eagle's the one bird that can fly into the middle of a storm. And most of us are like, ooh, man, yeah, I want to be an eagle. 
you know, symbolize that. Like, that's, that's awesome. Like, like, that's big. It's so strong, so mighty, can, can fly into the storms. Lord, that's what I want for my life. But, you know, there's something an eagle can't do. See, eagles can't fly very far. See, if you want to, if you want to fly very far, well, you need to be a goose. See, geese have this amazing thing, and we've seen the different movies, right? The Mighty Ducks, you know, or different. Like, like they, they fly in this V formation. And literally, they get in this V formation, flying these great distances, because the guy at the front of the V is taking the brunt of everybody. And he's just up there like, whoo, whoo, whoo. And when he gets tired, and he's tired of carrying the burdens of everybody behind him, he's like, I'm dropping out. And somebody else comes up, and they start carrying the burden. And in this V formation, no bird can fly further than the geese. Now, they're as mighty as the eagle? No. Do they fly in the storm? No. But do they represent the ability to be able to carry their brothers and their sisters further in a journey than anybody else? Oh, yeah. You're like, woohoo, man, that's, that's me. I want to be a goose then. Let me be a goose. But you know, there's something a goose can't do. See, the eagles kind of represent something. The, the geese, they kind of take people somewhere. But then there's this, this really small bird that if you, if, you, if you need something like, if you just want to hear singing, if you, if you want a melody put in your heart, if you want a song to just kind of take a deep breath, then we think about a sparrow. And, and a sparrow is where we get this, this melody. A sparrow is where we get this song. A sparrow, they can't fly very far. You know, they, they can't even fly very high. But every spring, we open up our windows, don't we? Because we want to hear the birds sing. In fact, I asked Miss Leslie to come up and help me to help you understand just how powerful little sparrows can be. Because it ain't about being an eagle. It ain't even about being, being geese. It's about representing something bigger than yourself and putting songs in other people's hearts because of the way that we live our lives. And so just, just for a second, then I'm going to come right back. Listen to this, this amazing old hymn, and hopefully you'll catch what I'm throwing. Why should I feel discouraged and why does the shadows come and why does my heart feel lonely and long for my heavenly home. 
when Jesus is my portion. A constant friend is he. His eyes is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. I sing because I'm happy, I sing because I'm free, his eyes is on the sparrow, and I know he watches and I know he watches me. See, I think a part being contagious is not worrying that you didn't become an eagle and not worried that you ain't a goose but realizing that I'm just a small little sparrow and everybody's listening Thank you for listening to the Crossroads Community Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe so you don't miss out. Also, if you want to help support reaching more people with these life-giving messages, visit crossroadscommunitychurch.com slash give. Once again, thanks for listening.